morning. It is Monday, August 9th, 2021, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Since we last checked in, December corn futures have been tethered to the 550 level, and today marks the 10th consecutive session. The 10th consecutive session. The contract is traded on both sides of 550. Uh, November soybeans, they found a new home in the 1325 neighborhood. And Jim, we finally got an inch plus rain here in Northeast Iowa over the past 24 hours. I, it's, it, I've got a water puddle out front this morning, Jim. I don't even know what that, <laughs> I didn't know it, it, it still held water. I know our good friend Roger Bernard told me he got 1.7 inches, but just down the road, they got an inch. So it is still variable, but even an inch right now is very good news. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it comes at a, but it, it couldn't be at a, a better time for this crop. I mean, we were, we were looking at a situation where the corn and the soybean crops, both were going backwards on a daily basis. Yeah. And uh, this this inch of rain will at least stabilize conditions for a little while. But man, you take a look at the forecast, and there's a lot of heat and a lot of dry conditions. Looks like crop tour next week, Jim, is going to be it's going to be a hot affair out there in the field. I don't think there's any question about it. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. That is Pro Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. And this is DC Signal to Noise. Before we start to look ahead, Jim, let's look back uh, at last week and and make sure that we understand the signals that were sent from DC. Uh, what did you learn? I, I we got to start with the infrastructure bill, right? Well, the infrastructure bill. We had a lot of work late last week, and then over the weekend and. Uh, it looks like we're going to, well, I know we will. We'll, we'll have a final vote uh, probably no later than Tuesday, uh, you know, Chip, and it's going to succeed. The votes are there. That was clear in the weekend votes on both Saturday and, and, and Sunday where 18 Republicans joined all Democrats, uh, you know, to uh, you know, vote for it. And then they had another Democrat, uh, another Republican or two uh, in a vote late last uh, evening. So depending on whether or not they get an agreement on amendments, that will impact the timing uh, of it, Chip. But uh, they're already focusing on the next step, to tell you the truth. The right. budget resolution, which, by the way, the framework was released, you know, today by Bernie Sanders. Okay. We'll get to that here in, in just a little bit. Um, anything else from last weekend, Jim, or from last week that, that really stood out to you? There was some movement on the WIP Plus, uh, WIP Plus Plus program proposals, right? Yeah, but I, and I want to get to the bottom line on that because that's the topic of both emails and calls that I get. Eventually, the WIP Plus Plus would be cost $750 million for livestock, and that would be new. And it depends on which level they go on. The House has $8.5 billion and the Senate has, uh, you know, $7 billion, so they'll probably cut the difference. But that will eventually be be in a must-pass, uh, you know, funding bill, Chip, by the end of uh, 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 of this fiscal year that starts October 1. So it's coming, and that would impact 2020 and 2021 
you know, crop situation, say the derecho last year, and then some of the drought and other ag-related weather impacts this year, and for the drought and other related impacts to the livestock industry this calendar year. Okay. So talk directly to the livestock producers out there for just a moment here, Jim, because um, they've, they've become more educated in how to handle and how to prepare for programs like this. But they need to be uh, keeping tabs of all expenses, uh, everything and anything that you can think of that might have been influenced by, by drought. Uh, you need to keep tabs of that, right, Jim? No, absolutely. The crop producers are are, are well, you yes. know, familiar with this, and we have different types of programs that the you know livestock industry already goes into, which they, if they don't, they should. So they probably know what they should do anyway as well but again yeah if in doubt keep you know keep the uh, you, you, you know paperwork and let's hope the reform of whip plus is included in what's coming out later this year because they want to make it less complex they want to lower the uh, the eligibility uh you know regs on this i think they lowered the drought number uh one or two uh, you know, levels chip. And uh, the biggest one is they want to make it more flexible and get the payments out quicker. Now, we'll yeah. see whether or not a government entity can do that, but at least the goals are pretty good for this very important program. Yeah. Okay. Jim, this is a topic that I've kind of been waiting for the right moment to bring it up to you, but I think this might be it right now. With the ad hoc payments that we have seen over the past three years, four years, yes. uh, since the trade war started with with China, really, I, that's going to dramatically influence the the conversation around the next farm bill, isn't it? Well, it, yes, it will. And the 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 danger, if that's the right word, Chip is uh, some lawmakers, especially outside of the rural states, will probably raise up the question, why are why do we have crop insurance and, and yeah. spend so much money on subsidizing, although farmers write big checks for that, they have skin in the game, but th they may ask, well, if we're going to have an ad hoc, you know, you know, program each year, why do we new, uh, need crop insurance? That's danger. What farm state lawmakers are all already well aware of this, as, as is the crop insurance industry. I was out last week in Nebraska at a very good, you know, crop insurance meeting by uh, uh, AgriSample, you know, Ruth Curtis's group in, uh, in, in Nebraska. And they said, uh, along with lawmakers, uh, they can be complementary as long as they continue to improve crop insurance. So let's hope that's the case, Chip. But uh, we're going into this uh, need for, uh, uh, you know, a crop insurance program, no matter how it's designed, cannot deal with some of the major disasters that we've been through. And right. if you listen to the UN report that was out today, are going to come increasingly in the future in the business of agriculture because of climate change. Right. Right. Yeah. That report that was out this morning, that's an eye opening one. It's uh, um, I'm very much a, a guy that I'm not going to deny. I'm, I'm not a climate change denier. 
but I am very also very much a, a student and observer of weather over a long period of time. And when I had my weather mentor back in, in the 80s telling me that this was going to be a very volatile period of time for weather in the, in, uh, around the globe, I, I mean, the cycles are at work here, too. Yeah, what, whatever you want to call it. Th this report, again, I haven't read it all, but I, I did a quick summary. And uh, it, they said it's a code red for humanity. Uh, Chip and and uh, you know the my other sub headline this morning on profarmer.com was climate change is unequivocal. So uh, this is going to be used going into some important climate change meetings coming up later this year, Chip. And boy, when you read some of the the you know summary items out of this, uh, at least on the surface, this is very big, very big news, Chip. Right. Right. Okay. What else did you learn in the conversation out in Auburn, Nebraska with Ruth? Well, first of all, I want to uh, give a shout out to Paula Sue Steffen. Uh, she asked me for my autograph. She likes our podcast, so really a good thank you for Paula Sue Steffen. And I met her her husband as well. We had a good conversation on the ERS moves and things like that. And then another, a younger couple, Chip, that was just gives you faith about the future for U.S. agriculture. Uh, they sat at my table, Ryan Picard uh, and his wife, Pamela Sue. She's from Humboldt. And if I recall, uh, Ryan is from Nebraska City. Uh, they're very young. They already have five kids. And well, that shocked me. But you talk about the farmer of the future. He is high tech, uh, it knows the crop insurance like the back of his hand, knows risk management. So that made me feel good. They had about 230 farmers and ranchers there, uh, again, sponsored by AgriSample. And I got to meet uh, the CEO, Bob Haney, who came out of retirement to be the new CEO of this group. And he's kind of a titan in the crop insurance industry. And we had a side uh, you know, discussion for a, almost a half an hour and and i was gifted to you know hear him out on a number of uh, you know topics bottom line out there uh, chip was that in that whole area they had recently received rain so the attitude was very good there now yeah. how far that rain goes you never know you know that but it makes this thursday's crop you know, crop production report from USDA, a good benchmark. And then, of course, the follow-on, you know, Pearl Farmer Crop Tour will assess it since that survey was taken, you know, by USDA. So uh, overall, again, the attitude at that meeting was good. But, you know, I was surprised at the number of questions I got on inflation, the value of the dollar, uh, and uh, the spending in Washington. They, they had very good questions at that you know, meeting that was held in Auburn, Nebraska. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, over the weekend, a couple of things are, are happening. Uh, Cargill, Continental Grain Company, buying Sanderson Farms. This is a huge move. <laughs> Very huge. And, uh, you know, what was the dollar amount? I think $4.53 billion. You know, yeah. that's a chunk of change. And it's a combo of Cargill and uh, uh, and 
and Continental Grain, which is really an investment company now. There's no longer the Continental Grain as we knew when we were in our, you know, you know, fledgling, you know, reporting days. And, you know, the transaction is going to probably get increased scrutiny in Washington because there's already the focus on consolidation among, you know, meat packers, Chip. And I'm not forecasting anything, but uh, they're, 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 you know, they'll probably take a look at this because combining Sanderson with Georgia-based uh, Wayne Farms, uh, that's a poultry company, a smaller one owned by Continental, that would farm a new competitor about 15% of U.S. chicken production. So on the surface, it, it shouldn't raise alarms there. Uh, so I think it'll eventually be approved, but it is a, 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 a big change in the poultry industry. Absolutely. Um, one other uh, item that really caught my attention, and I think it's because African swine fever is in the Western Hemisphere now, and there are some new rules on dogs that are traveling uh, with with their companions uh, out of the country. Yeah, APHIS put out new rules, and that's for certain regions of the, of the world that were either, uh, you know, have African swine fever or may get it. So the National Pork Producers Council applauded the move, and this is just another step in their armor chip to try to avoid it coming into the, uh, 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 you know, you know, North American, you know, continent. And I know MPPC is having a uh, a webinar tomorrow. On, on the latest uh, uh, incidents of uh, African swine fever. So this is front and center, you, you know, you know for, for that important farmer group. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it, uh, the, the rule change on the travel requirements, restrictions for, for any animals, really. Yes. Uh, I, I think, I think are um, uh, very good. It shows that the country is still, has the right attitude towards ASF, and that is whatever it takes, let's keep it out of this country. So, well, and we also, you know, we have high anxiety with the Delta variant with COVID, and that's going to, I know, lead to uncertainty in the in the food markets in the meat sector because of the potential of uh, shutdowns. Whether how pervasive they are, we don't know. I don't see the case that we're going to go back to complete shutdowns that we had uh, uh, early last year. Uh, but uh, that, that that's high anxiety here because China now is discussing whether or not they're going to have to live with COVID rather than, uh, you know, get rid of it. Yeah. Most of the articles that I've read say that it's a lost cause to try to get rid of this. It's, it's almost like a very similar to the flu, Chip. I think we're yeah. going to have to deal with this for the future and just, you know, keep either getting the booster shots or, or whatever. But there is an, a, a high anxiety about this. Yeah, there certainly is. Uh, and and everybody, I think, was on board with the zero COVID policy for a while, but uh, the realization is setting in that you're that you're right, Jim. That that it's something that we're going to going to have to manage rather than eliminate. 
Absolutely. And and I want to point out, I got an email from another viewer, Chip, Johnny Watts from the South, and he asked me, uh, does a bill uh, by Senator Gillibrand, Democrat from New York, stand a chance of passing? And the bill is it would it would uh, uh, give some uh, some forgiveness to. Uh, you know, some producers on their loans, not not significantly tied to, you know, minority farmers. And I, I, I want to tell Johnny, uh, there's a chance that the language may be modified, will be put into this end of year bill, much like the WIP Plus. So I'm going to follow this because uh, uh, Johnny Watts and others have written me about this. They they think that this is the congressional answer to the legal objections that USDA has relative to the you know, you know forgiveness, if not outright uh, grant money to uh, selected minority farmers, Jeff. Okay. All right. Uh, Jim, the next topic is going to be some of the um, uh, market transparency legislation that was that that was considered last week um, and, and some new proposals there. But I would first want to remind everybody that you can be part of the conversation. Just look over at the right side of the screen. You've got the comments tab right there. Click on that. Send us a Send us your comments, send us your questions, and, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get it covered for you today. So we're going to have sent, uh, uh, Representative Dusty Johnson from South Dakota on the show this morning, Jim, to talk about on, on AgriTalk this morning, to talk about some of the, uh, the, the market transparency issues that were considered last week. What's the latest there? And they begin today. USDA yeah. is issuing two new cattle reports. Uh, one is the National Direct Formula Based Report. That'll show the differences between negotiated trade and formula based prices and the aggregated values uh, as premiums and discounts. And that's needed. And then the second report is what they call the National Net Price Distribution Report. And that'll show weekly weighted average trade. That's price and volume for negotiated, negotiated grid, formula, and forward contract sales. So this should be a big boost as far as price you know, transparency, Chip. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, anything else from last week or over the weekend, Jim, before we start looking forward? Well, there was a, uh, announcement that OMB is reviewing COVID aid and CFAP. Uh, they're reviewing the final rule, rule for COVID aid to farmers. Well, they've been doing that since December, 2020. If you recall that, that, uh, that announcement, uh, was made in the waning days of the Trump administration. And then it was put on hold. Now, to be fair, Secretary Vilsack, uh, the Ag Secretary, has says they need uh, more regulations, the writing of regulations, and maybe that'll provide an answer on COVID aid for contract hog producers, but uh, I, I was told we're going to get a final announcement sometime in September. Hopefully they meant this year, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they do mean this year. Okay, very good. Um, the week ahead. It's about a vote on Tuesday on the infrastructure bill. And right behind that is going to be the human 
infrastructure bill, right? Yeah, well, the, it's it's going to be the, yeah, yeah, they're going to have to do a vote on the budget resolution, the framework of it, because that's going to have to be dealt with. They're going to have to put it together, and it's going to take a while for that to happen. But the, the, uh, it's going to be an important vote. And I think the resolution will pass even the Senate because it's just a resolution. It's not the underlying language, Jeff. Pelosi on the House side, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she will not follow through on a House vote on the physical infrastructure that the Senate will pass early this week until the Senate passes the three up to $3.5 trillion human infrastructure bill. So this thing could wait for a, a few months, Chip, before we, we see what's going to go and what's not going to go. And as we said last week, the House Democrats don't like some of the work that the Senate did on the physical infrastructure bill. That's the $1 trillion you know, package, $550 you know, billion in new spending, $450 in, in already, well, in, in already approved appropriation spending. And how they change that physical infrastructure bill will depend in in large part on whether or not uh, some Republicans will uh, pull back their support. So this is this is not a total done deal yet, Jeff. Dude, we're going to be talking about this till the fall, months. until the World Series, until the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what's going to conclude first, to tell you the truth, and, and that's serious there. But, you know, this three and a half trillion dollars, some more hurdles, this is what's happening. You have uh, uh, two, at least two moderate Democratic senators, uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema from Arizona, are saying, you know, this three and a half trillion is too much. In fact, Manchin already wrote the Federal Reserve about it. So they're going to have to come down because not one Republican is going to vote for this follow-on three and a half trillion dollar bill. So they'll need every Democrat in the Senate to vote for it. So how much is that going to have to come down? Two and a half trillion, 2.1 trillion. And uh, so th there's a lot of negotiating that's going to go on, uh, Chip. But uh, boy, my, the history, although this town's really hard to call now because of all the changes and the visceral relationships between the two political parties, I, I just cannot see the Democrats uh, not approving any of this uh, human infrastructure bill, because that's their holy grail. That's where they want to change the size and scope of government. So uh, two and a half trillion is better than zero. So I think that's what it's going to go down to, uh, whether or not uh, you can compromise down in order to get all 50 Democratic votes. And we all know that, they, that the uh, vice president breaks a tie. Right, right. Okay. Uh, let's stay on House Speaker Pelosi here for a moment. Did she, did she honestly tell President Biden to get better lawyers? Yeah, that's the quote. The New York Times had the report. Is That's what she said to a Biden aide after being told that White House lawyer, lawyers believed a nationwide in, in evictions ban exceeded the government's legal power. And that shows you they the, the, the article said they had not seen Pelosi as animated like that 
in years. So she's, and you saw Biden just folded on this one early last week. Uh, so when when Cory Bush, a, a far left a lawmaker from Missouri in the House, uh, uh, camped on the on the House steps until she got them to cave. Now, uh, you, you Biden and others at the White House overtly said that they they think there's going to be constitutional legal problems with what they did. And in fact, this I think we're going to see something tomorrow on a legal test of this in the courts, Chip. So this is breaking news here. Uh, and the the opponents to the extension that the White House announced is using Biden and other White House official statements uh, in their briefs to the uh, you know, court. So I think that's ironic. But you know, there was something else uh, that that developed. Uh, not th- they're really flaunting a Supreme Court ruling that yeah. really told them not to do extensions. Right. Now, there was some watering down of that by Kavanaugh. But boy, this 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 is an eye opener that they're just saying. And Biden said there uh, there's a few lawyers who said that we may have some legal ground to stand on. Well, they're just trying to run out the clock, Chip. This is like the old days in basketball where you, if you when you didn't have the 24 second clock that you could just four, stall. Four corners. Yeah, yeah, four corners. That's what the White House thinks that they could forestall and get this until we can get back to a uh, the to deal with the Delta variant because most people say that this will be on the down path within two months because that's what happened in uh, the UK and 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 Israel and I think it'll happen here as well. Wow, it's it's amazing to. Uh... Even if it is just running the clock, Jim, it's an eye-opening tactic by this administration to just ignore yes. what a, a Supreme Court ruling. Well, you can just imagine if Trump would have done that. Oh! <laughs> The most, if not all, most of the media just would have hounded him, you know. But there was another thing that's similar in this regard. You'll recall last week, Chip, and this is another carryover, the Congressional Budget Office said that the the physical infrastructure bill uh, uh, added to the deficit, what, $560 billion. So more than half of it was, was added to the deficit. But a White House official actually said there was an agreement between yeah. the White House and the negotiators to to uh, 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 just ignore. disregard, ignore the the CBO mm-hmm. uh, ruling, which they knew was going to, I guess, happen. And I said on AgriTalk uh, Friday that that's akin to the when we write the new farm bill that what the House and Senate Agriculture Committee leaders saying, no matter what the score from CBO is, we're going to disregard it and just spend whatever we want. I mean, it's just this town is never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, but 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 they're breaking new ground. They're breaking new ground with with ignore the CBO Ignore the Supreme Court rulings. Um, it's new ground. Well, here's um, another new ground. In this budget resolution, again, I didn't read all of it, but but 
it doesn't include an increase in the debt limit, Chip. And so that, that doesn't mean that they can always add it. But this is a game of chicken between the Democrats in Congress and the, and the Republicans, uh, especially uh, the, in, in the Senate with, you know, with Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, Republican from Kentucky. So they're, they're playing games with this one, but they better watch out because if this goes on, uh, not, it, it can go on for a while. They have some emergency actions they can take. But this tells you uh, that they want a negotiated settlement with the Republicans on this issue. And the Republicans aren't playing that game, at least right now, because they remember the time when they needed an increase and the Democrats didn't give them one vote. Right. Right. OK. Uh, is Governor Cuomo still going to be governor at the end of the week? <laughs> Oh well, he he learned a lot from Clinton in running in running out the clock, but he's in in deep doo doo. Uh, so I just think it's a, just a matter of time. The fat lady is singing; you can hear her uh, singing. And so I don't know whether he'll go. He's a fighter, but boy, the evidence looks. Uh, I think he needs his day in court. Uh, everyone does, uh, but it doesn't look good. No. Absolutely. They're already grooming the lieutenant, you know, governor. So that's the story today that they're, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're prepping her. Okay. Very good. Um, Last comments, Jim, what else you got this week? We've got the reports on Thursday. The reports on Thursday, we're watching the final vote, of course, on the physical uh, infrastructure bill Tuesday, I think no later than Wednesday, if uh, unless we get it, uh, you know, today, if there's an agreement on the amendments and Haggerty, uh, the Republican from Tennessee wants normal order. I don't blame him. So he's, he's playing, you know, that card. And then we're going to see uh, if the Senate can, uh, and, you know, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, wants them to clear the uh, other uh, 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 you know, measure, the resolution. But that doesn't mean they're going to have all the language done relative to that social spending bill uh, that, that yeah. will include universal daycare, free community college, expanded Medicare benefits, and other liberal wish list items, Jim. Okay. All right, Jim. Great job this morning. Appreciate all your efforts there. Stay on top of things. We're going to turn up the volume on what's happening in agriculture on AgriTalk, 1006 Central, and get market updates at 206 Central this morning. As I mentioned earlier, Representative Dusty Johnson will be on to discuss the new legislation designed to bring some transparency to the cattle markets this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with Kevin McNew from the Farmer Business Network. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching for those signals. 